Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. All right, Acts chapter 16. We, uh, I'm, I'm going to just comment real quick here. I'm going to just hit some points. And then uh, this is Thanksgiving week. I am going to, because one of the reasons we're not having Wednesday night service is I'm going to be smoking a 25-pound turkey. And it's going to be a 16-hour process. So uh, it's going to, we're going to have 25 people descend upon our house and ravage a 25-pound smoked turkey and a 12-pound oven-baked turkey. It's going to be glorious. And uh, we're going to have fun. But this is the time of year where we have a, literally a, a national holiday where we give thanks. That's a wonderful thing. And it's a, weird, it's, it's a rare thing in all of history that a nation would do that, but we're, we do that, and it's a good thing. We don't want to lose sight of it. It's not about the turkey, although I am grateful for the turkey. But we're, we're giving thanks for God's provision on our nation uh, from its inception. And so we're going to do that. So I just want to, I want to touch on uh, something this morning and try to tie it in with that. Acts chapter 16. We don't have time to get into all of it, so just let me run you through the passage. Acts 16 is a fascinating passage. It, there's a lot in this passage, and it's really a template for breakthrough for a region. It's, it's a picture of what happens when an apostolic team goes under prophetic directive, goes into an area and breaks something open for the kingdom. There was a heavenly partnership already waiting for them. There was a prophetic directive. Paul and, and the, the, he just picked up Timothy as part of his team. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're gonna, he just broke fellowship with Barnabas. That's a whole other story. Picks up Timothy and they go, they're, gonna, they're going on this journey to plant churches. They try to go into one city and the Lord wouldn't let them. They try to go into another city and the Lord would not let them. And then Paul has this prophetic dream where the man from Macedonia is saying, hey, come over here and help us. So Paul, being the strategic leader that he is, he says, okay, if we're going to go into Macedonia, let's go into the chief city, which was Philippi, and they go there, and when they arrive, they, they start their church planting through prayer. So they go to a place of prayer. They go through the city gates, and that's significant. And they're praying, and they run into a lady named Lydia, who's not yet saved, but they lead her to the Lord, and she says this, if you really believe I'm a believer, then come and stay with me. And it's a picture of what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10, where you go in and you find the man of peace, someone that will let you use their house. And so heaven already had some boots on the ground, somebody prepared. And when God is bringing you into what he has for you, there's several things we need to pick up from this passage. Number one, God wants to lead you. Just because there's a need doesn't mean you are called to meet that need. There are other cities needed the gospel, but the spirit forbade him because it wasn't part of Paul's and inheritance. But he got a prophetic directive. And with prophetic directive with apostolic authority, they went and broke something open. And when he arrived, heaven already had someone prepared to partner with them. And when God is leading you into your inheritance, he always has partnerships that are already waiting for you. And you need to have your eyes open to that. That's what Jesus taught us and that's what Paul modeled for us. There are partners in the gospel, partners in this thing called inheritance that God wants to bring along your path. And so you're going to meet people that are going to open doors for you. 
We're just talking about Al. Al's done that for many people. Often the people that open doors for you are not the people you're going to expect. And often they're not even the primary people in your life. It's like these, these, hap, these chance meetings and they become the catalyst to open a door for you. And that's what Lydia was. So they ran into heaven's boots on the ground. God already had partnership prepared for them. But then they ran into opposition because hell already had their boots on the ground and they ran into opposition to their inheritance. And we meet this little girl that had, it, literally in the Greek, it's a spirit of python. And, and we translated a spirit of uh, divination. And it's, it's literally a spirit of python because it was referring to the, the prophetic cult up in Delphi. It would be to the northwest of Philippi. There was the the temple to Apollos. And it, there was a lot of Greek mythology where Apollos killed this giant serpent and stuck it in the, into the mountain. And now it became this prophetic cult where people all over the then known world would come and worship at this temple. There was a sex cult. There was a bank there. And there would, people would come and get a word from these, these, uh, these pythias. It's, a root word, it's connected to the root word etymologically of python. And so they would go and she would go into this catatonic state and she would give mumblings and these priests would transcribe what she's saying and give words to people. And so it was a way for people to get supernatural words. It was the false prophetic. And so when they arrived, when Paul binds the spirit of Python in this woman, it's not like, what is that? Like, is there a spirit of giraffe? Ooh, she's got a long neck. She's got a spirit of giraffe, you know. No, it's, it's, it was connected to this prophetic cult, this, this evil that was north of them. And she was tapping into this thing. And she begins to follow Paul and the team around. And she would yell these words. These men have the words of life. They will give you the ways to eternal life. That's good press. What she was saying was true. The problem was the spirit she was speaking from. It's not that the false prophetic isn't always a false word. It's a false source. And it's the motive of the heart. We don't have time to get into that. But I'm telling you from James, the book of James, people can give you a false prophetic word that is accurate in its information, but false in its motivation. And it can be demonic. We don't have time to build a case for that, but I'm telling you, it's right there in James chapter 3. And so, what the, the little, little tributary here. Uh, a couple of years back, this was a number of years ago now, uh, there was a woman that came, was coming to this church and she would come up front and she would dance up front. And there were a lot of people that would dance, just like this morning. People come up here and worship, but it would bug me. I would be irritated. And then I'd repent, Lord, forgive me for judging this woman, you know, and, and uh, week after week, Lord, forgive me. It just, it just irritated me. And one Sunday morning, I asked the Lord about it. And all of a sudden, bloop, if this was a cartoon, there would have been a little light bulb turn over my head. And I realized, that's a spirit of python. And this was the thought that came to my mind as soon as I asked the Lord about it. It's the counterfeit trying to join itself to the legitimate to discredit the real. That is what Python does. It's the counterfeit that tries to join itself to the legitimate precisely to discredit what God is doing. And so I lovingly went to the woman. I said, hey, I'm going to ask you to go sit down and not come up and worship until we can meet. Because I just want to, I love you. I don't want you, you know, I'm not trying to run you off. I, I love you, but I just, we need to meet. And that resulted in a long journey where she left the church because she didn't want to submit to authority. 
But there was this, this thing agitating. And that's what happened with Paul. Paul was, and it says it, it irritated him until finally he turned around and he rebuked that thing. And she, that, that thing was lifted off of her, which then caused her owners, because she was, they would utilize her and make money off her false prophetic gift. It caused them to be ticked off because now they, their money machine, their golden goose is gone. And so they have, they drug him before the magistrates and they beat Paul and Silas and Timothy with, with these big long rods. It was one of three times that scripture says this happened. It's the only time we have it recorded. We have the scenario of what happened, but it, it had happened to Paul before they beat him with rods, put him in prison. And then, so now we have them in prison. This is, this is not going well. Okay. They just got to town. Now, I want you to put yourself in Timothy's shoes because Timothy just met Paul and Paul said, hey, I want to use you. The first thing you need to do is you got to get circumcised. So he gets circumcised. Then they take him on this journey. The first city they go to, they get beat with rods and now he's in doing prison time. He's got a prison ministry. This is not what he signed up for. But this is a picture of breakthrough when God wants to break into a region. It takes prophetic directive. We need to be led by the Lord. And number two, we need to look for the partnerships God already has in place. Al has stories of partnerships that God has knit to him that have opened things up for him. And he has eyes to see that because he's looking for it. But there's also the opposition of hell. And we need to withstand the opposition. And Paul with spiritual power addresses that. And now there is a real world ramification. He bound something in the spirit. and There's a real world ramification. And now he's in prison. His back is beaten and bloody and broken open. And people would die from these beatings, okay? Paul had been by the Jews, had been whipped with the, the 40 lashes minus one, 39 lashes, five times. And by the Romans, had been beaten with rods three times. People die from those, these beatings. And Paul withstood it. And that's on top of the other things he went. This is a tough dude, okay? He's a gnarly little guy. And he's, so they're sitting in prison, and what do they do? They keep drilling a well. It comes about midnight, the time of prayer, and they start praying and they start singing hymns and the whole prison hears them. All the other prisoners are in their shackles and they're listening. And then what happens, it says that an earthquake hit and the whole prison was shook so that, now check this out, every door was open and every shackle fell off the, the, the wrists and the ankles. Now you tell me that was a normal earthquake. I've never heard of another earthquake where every door in a prison falls open. This was a supernatural thing that happened in the atmosphere that affected the earth and literally set the prisoners free. And here's the thing. Because Paul had an inheritance... He had a calling to go into a region and break things open for the gospel. And Paul stood the course in the face of great opposition. And this is my word. Now, uh, you know, I, it's noon. So I've got I've to jump into this quick, okay? So we're just getting to the point. There's, we don't have time to kind of beat around the bush. Paul stayed the course and in the face of great opposition, he continued to worship the Lord. And what I'm telling you is your worship is essential for you to step into your inheritance and your worship is essential for your breakthrough. And it's when you worship in the face of the greatest opposition that you have the greatest opportunity for breakthrough. And often we will worship in the good times, but when the bad times come, we fail to worship when it matters the most. And that is what's going to register in the spirit. 
We need to stand our ground and in the face of great opposition begin to declare the goodness of God. And that is what is going to push the enemy off the ground that we have. Okay? It's the picture of Shema on the lentil patch. It says that there's a group of Philistines that gathered on a lentil patch and all the other Israelites left, but Shema stood his ground on that field of lentils and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. We've got to stand our ground. I've told you the story where I had, uh, I went into a vision and a board meeting and I, and I saw Ray Henderson in the spirit and I saw what he was going through with his family and I saw him come, just begin to worship the Lord and fight these lies of the enemy coming against his family. And then I saw this great victory break through and the Lord said, serve lentil stew. And I knew exactly what he meant. That your battleground will become a, a garden from which you can feed others your victory. That's what God wants to do. You know, I never knew when the Lord told me that, serve lentil stew. I never knew that that was the very thing that Jacob gave to Esau to get his inheritance. It was lentil stew. It wasn't just stew, it was lentil stew. Never knew that till this morning. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to chase it down and you'll be hearing about it more later. <laughs> I do believe it means this. There's something about the lentil that's like a little bean kind of pea thing. It, it makes a red stew. There's something about that connected to inheritance. And Esau was willing to sell his inheritance for lentils. But Je- Shema stood his ground on the lentil patch. And I'm telling you, God wants to make the, the severest battles in your life your greatest victories. And that will become a garden from which you feed other people your victory. There are things that God is wanting to give each of us in breakthrough. And I'm telling you, your worship is essential to the process. The hardest things you're going through in your life right now are opportunities for God to give you a garden of abundance where you literally, you pay the price for others to have victory. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are in prison and their worship not only delivered them, everybody in the prison were suddenly free from their shackles. And the guard was ready to slay himself. And Paul said, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And the guard runs in, throws himself at Paul's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? This is a good church planning story. Okay, A few moments earlier, not so much. But now we have guards in prisons running and giving them own altar call. What must I do to be saved? He takes Paul and the boys back to his house, mends their wounds, puts a meal in front of them, and he, Paul ends up baptizing the whole family. The next day, they go, they're back in prison now, and the magistrate comes and says, you can go now. And Paul says, eh, eh. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. They beat me without a trial. Now they think they can just have me go away quietly? He said, have them come and escort me out. And when word gets back to the magistrate, it says they're, they're alarmed. Oh my goodness, we're in big trouble. We beat a Roman citizen without a trial. Because it was the Romans who codified this thing into legality that says you are innocent until proven guilty. And so now they've got to come and escort Paul out of prison. And Paul, they said, please leave town. And he went by and he visited his new converts and saw the brethren and a a couple days later, here they are. They're walking out of town. I mean, their backs are all broken. and They're still mending their wounds, but they're happy. Because what happened? A whole new outpost for the kingdom had been established. 
It's an amazing story. Short story, amazing story. And this became a major outpost for the kingdom in the New Testament. Your worship in the hardest times, your gratitude means something. The idea of gratitude and thankfulness. Gratitude is the way you literally release the grace that you've received from God back to Him. And we use it that word. We're going to gather around our tables on Thursday. And I got a bunch of preachers in my family and a whole bunch of them are going to be in my house. So we've got to be careful who's going to pray over the meal because, I mean, the turkey could get cold. We'll all gather around and we'll say, let's say grace. And it's literally one of the meanings of the word. One of the facets of this rich word charis in the Greek is gratitude. But it's the one component, it's the one way in which we return the grace back. And what happened with Paul and Silas, they were walking under the grace of God. The same grace that gave them the prophetic directive, where to go. The same grace that led them to Lydia and led her to the Lord. The same grace that Paul released and, and, and released the young girl from the spirit of Python. The same grace that sustained them when they're being beaten was the same grace that they then released back to God in worship at the midnight hour. And that grace hit everybody else in the prison and broke shackles. You, your life, is the battleground of other people's freedom. When we come in here on the weekends, we aren't just worshiping for ourselves. We are worshiping for every broken person that comes through that door, every discouraged person. And sometimes that discouraged, broken person is you. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's someone else. But we're in this thing together. And we're worshiping for the neighborhoods around here. And it really does matter. God wants to send regional breakthrough. And I'm telling you, our worship is a big part of that. Amen? All right. We're only six minutes after. Let's stand. God is good. It's a sign and a wonder, people. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Just begin to worship him for a moment. King Jesus, we worship you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we crown you as Lord of all over our lives. Lord, we willingly bend our knee and we bend our neck before your throne. Lord, the crowns that we earn in life, we willingly and gladly and joyfully cast before your throne. We want to crown you with many crowns. We thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, as we move into this Thanksgiving season, Lord, we thank you for a nation that humbly acknowledges our dependence upon you. Lord, we thank you that we have a day we set aside to give gratitude. Now, Lord, root and establish us in that, that mentality, Lord. And Lord, help us to realize that the grace we receive from you, we release back not only to you, but to our region through worship and praise. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.